Hello and welcome to episode 8 of the Perth Paisley podcast. I'm Adam Kennedy and joining me to discuss Heart Midlothian Football Club matters this week, as usual, is my good chum and co-host Mr Daniel McIver. How are we this, this, uh, this evening, Daniel? That's me, I'm doing very well. It's quite warm in this part of Edinburgh for some reason, but I'm doing alright, how are you? Oh good mate, oh good. Um, we've got a bit of a, a quiet week this one. Um, mm. So here's hoping that that's not the case ahead of our next recording. Mm-hmm. Um, before we discuss what's been going on, albeit very little, um, I've got two points that I kind of want to raise through uh, other listenings. So besides us, there's obviously Around the Funnel, Scarves Around the Funnel, The Hearts Review, um, but the boys at the, the Hearts Conspiracies and UFOs podcast, mm-hmm. they raised a great point, um, which I saw on Twitter in, in midweek. Um, which was what would you call the new the new main stand? Have you got any you got any inkling as to what you'd name it? Well, this was the thing I saw. I did see that tweet because you shared it. You shared the thing about it, and I was like, "That's interesting." And then we were speaking about it, and I hadn't before that was raised to me. I hadn't actually thought about it, and as soon as it was raised to me, I was like, "That's a really good question." And I kind of had two in my mind, and it, I think it depends which way you want to go to it, because. Initially, I was like, if you want to go down the player route, you could name it the Rudy Scatchel stand. Interesting. That Interesting. silence was not a positive reaction. No, no, no not at all. I mean, I, I, I've, got, I've got a different idea. So, so mine would be Dave Mackay. Also um, a good shout. But then I also saw stuff about Robo and what have you. So what, what makes you lean towards Rudy? Purely because it was in my lifetime. So I'm biased in that regard, but like, because obviously by the time I was born, Robo was very much at the very end of his career. And by the time I got to start going to Hearts games, he hadn't been at the club for years as he had retired. Um, so my first season was 2004. Rudy comes in in 2006 and then also in 2012. And in my lifetime, there's never been a better player. However, the Robo, out of all of them, Robble probably makes the most sense, but Dave Mackay is also an amazing shout. Um, yeah, I mean, Robble does seem to make sense, but the reason, I mean, hopefully I shouldn't adopt too much of a rant here, but having given it some thought, I kind of want to go into why I'd call it Dave Mackay. Um, mm-hmm. Because obviously he, he unfortunately passed during Robbie's first season in charge, funnily enough. Mm-hmm. Um, which was, let's see, the 2nd of March, 2015. So that's over five years ago. Then in 2017, obviously the main stand was demolished and made way for the new stand. So the first game in front of the said main stand was November 2017, the the 1-0 draw with Thistle. Mm -hmm. Now, the club, who I don't want to annoy here, the fact that it isn't named after our most famous Son, arguably, really grinds my gears. Um, because ultimately, I want to build bridges with the club. I don't want to slew them too much. But they had two years to prepare a tribute, which I believe is no less than arguably the greatest ever Jambo deserved. Um, because you look at what he's won. I mean, a Scottish Cup in 1956, two League Cups, uh, a Division One title. So he's essentially contributed to the last Scottish Cup we won before 98, which is obviously funny that you mentioned Robbo. Mm-hmm. Two of our last three League Cups, which is a competition that we haven't won in 
nearly 60 years. Um, and our second last top tier title. So the third time that we were crowned champions. Um, and I don't think it's, obviously hearts are his club. But I don't think it's just here where he's loved because you look at how highly Tottenham and Derby County regard him. Um, and I, I talked about tributes there, but his, his funeral did seem an impeccable service. I mean, the fact that Sir Alex Ferguson spoke at his funeral. I mean, has there ever been a more iconic manager in British football than Sir Alex besides, I don't know, maybe, maybe Brian Clough? Maybe, um, but Ferguson is still the manager. And it's not even just Fergie. Like Fergie's the upper echelons of the game. Never mind just British football, like the game. Even when, when Spurs came up here to batter us in the Europa League, Harry Redknapp, obviously, I don't know whether that was under the influence of Joe Jordan or what have you, but he paid homage to Dave Mackay. Mm-hmm. And again, it was a, a load of his Spurs boys at, at his funeral and whatever. So I don't understand why the club have been so reluctant I can't really think of another word, but reluctant to kind of name a great, because it is a great stand, let's be honest, it's it's fantastic, after arguably our greatest ever player who's obviously no longer with us. Um, I think it, I know why. Go for it. No, I think it's, it's because a lot of people don't like it when stands are named after individuals. The biggest case in point, I remember Dortmund did it in 1999, I think. I can't remember who they named it after, um, but it was a player who'd won four Bundesligas with them, the German Cup five times, and he was also part of a German World Cup winning team. And basically, the Dortmund board in 99 named the East Stand after them. But the reaction for Dortmund fans was, well, no, that's not how we remember players. We remember players in different ways. We should be naming the stand after entities. Now, I'm not saying that I agree with that because, for example, we're just speaking about them. There's the Alex Ferguson stand at Old Trafford. Um, You had people like at Sheffield United, uh, Jessica Ennis had a stand named after her. Obviously not in relation to the sport, but a sports person and a famous fan. Um, Elton John at Watford. Yeah, exactly. Like, clubs take their famous fans slash players on board. Um, and I do think Dave Mackay is one of those players who is deserving of that. Uh, I think there are a few players. I think the three we've mentioned are three of them. Um, the other suggestion I had was the Foundation of Heart stand. like that. Big fan of that as well. Because I think, I think the club... This obviously accepted donations from the Foundation of Heart, so... I don't want to. I don't want to blow our own trumpets here, but it is essentially down to us as well mm-hmm. that the the stand is here. So I like that as well. Um, but there's there's nothing else you could think of. I don't know. There probably is, right? There probably is. In a week's time, I'll probably have ten, and then in another week's time, I'll probably have twenty-five more. But when thinking about it, I went down the two routes of if I had to, if we were going down a player, I'd pick one of those. But if we just wanted a name for the stand, because some people I've seen on Twitter don't want it named. I've seen some people just wanting it called the main stand, which is fine. That's that's boring. That's boring. I get that. Like, I always like it when a stadium has a main stand. I like that. But I don't feel that the main stand needs to necessarily be called the main stand. Like, you can have, like, for example, Dortmund's East stand is the yellow wall. 
Like that is their main stand, but it's called something else. I think it's more iconic if it's given a name. Do you not? Yeah, yeah, definitely. But uh, I don't know. Anyway, let us know on Twitter or email the email us and uh, let us know what you'd you'd like to call the new main stand. You can obviously find us on Twitter at Perth to Paisley, or the emails Perth to Paisley at gmail dot com. Um, another slight kind of wee craving that I've got, if if you could call it that, I'm kind of choring the the homework aspect from uh, Scars Around the Funnel. So we're going to get messages. Laurie. We're going to get messages saying that <laughs> we're just everything. And Mark, if you're listening, but I was thinking of looking for Tyne Castle to have kind of a, an unofficial nickname. Now, what I mean by this is probably something that isn't kind of hearts or gorgy related as such, because my instant kind of thoughts regarding that are like Hibs calling Easter Road like the Leith San Siro and I don't want any yeah. of that that's a bit naff the spaghetti um, had the spaghetti had um, with the Tony Macaroni that, yeah so, something funny like that but I watch a lot of football shows on YouTube and I always think back to well North London primarily because there's this Arsenal fan that refers to the Emirates as the carpet and I love that um, but I quite like the thought of something like like the cauldron. Have you got anything that you'd call Tyne Castle? Right, this is it. This is it. I hate it when folk do this. Do you? I absolutely hate it. The reason I hate it is because I'm like, it has a name. And all the names are good. Like, Tyne Castle's an amazing name. Like, I want it to be... The, the most I'd settle for is the castle, and I still do like that. I'm not saying that this would be like <laughs> some sort of like official that like Tyne Castle would be known as like something else just to, to our fans or rival fans, but 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 I I just heard someone and I can't remember who it was, uh, just refer to, to Tyne Castle as a cauldron and noise. And I just thought all the kind of affiliations and connotations with that would go quite well. This is um, I like out of all the names, I think the cauldron works. Do you? It's important how it happens because, like, are you wanting it officially recognised by the club? Are you wanting no, no. It just to be like a fans thing? No, I mean, I, I, like I say, I've not. This doesn't have to be something official, like like the club neck, like the Portobello the Portobello Pirlo was, and the club <laughs> have stuck that on their Instagram or whatever. I'd still like a couple little royalties from that if that's possible. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I just mean that like, this is something that you'd call tiny like amongst your mates in the pub or just a bit of like not banter as such here's between the issue, like, rival fans but here's the issue you've just said a nickname that already exists for Tyne Castle with Tiny I know but I just I just feel like Tiny's just Tiny's not even it goes back to my original point I wanted something not to do with kind of gorgy hearts just something totally external so Tiny's obviously the shortened abbreviation but I mean just something like I don't know. I, I rode with a cauldron idea and I had a look. I, I googled cauldron to kind of get a, a stronger idea as to why I'd call it what I'd call it. So it's and a bubbling pot of like heat in that. <laughs> well, this is it. So obviously the, the two definitions are firstly the, the large metal pot, which you've just touched on. <laughs> nobody, gives, nobody gives a toss about that. But secondly, I thought this was quite funny. The Google definition is a situation characterised by instability and strong emotions. All right, we need to start naming it now then. That is the most heart of Midlothian definition. 
But they give it gave the example. The example was brilliant. It gave me the example of a cauldron of repressed anger. Oh, we have to do it, don't we? Have you never heard <laughs> something so perfect in all your life? Oh, We're going to get the cauldron trending on Twitter. I'm going to get hashtagging. Hashtag the cauldron. There we go. Oh, it might have to happen now that that definition is the most spot on thing I've ever heard about the club. So, yeah, so sorry for that spiel, but it was just kind of two random thoughts, obviously, with the stand and the, the main stand at the cauldron. So let us know your thoughts, like I say, on, on Twitter or by email or what have you. Um, you've not come up with any kind of nickname for, for Tiny, have you? I've not because I'm standing on the no nickname side. So we need to see, first of all, if people stand with me and want no nickname, or if people stand with you, and then if they stand with you, we need suggestions. Let us know. There's a um, split in this podcast, eight episodes in. To be fair, I'm, I'm surprised it's, it's lasted as long as eight episodes. We were agreeing so on far too much. I know. Um, right, so I've, I've got to ask you, because we're going to get into kind of hearts-related stuff now. Did you listen to, to BBC Sports Sound last week? I didn't until I saw everything that came out from it, and then I was like, right, I now need to listen to this. What What did you make of all the, the Craig Levine debacle on Hearts? Because I've got to be honest here, I quite like Daryl Broadfoot, but I thought that Craig Levine and Tom English absolutely had him on toast during that debate. Um, if you missed it, it was basically regarding Hearts training um, yet again, obviously, Today, as we're recording, it's back, but we'll discuss that later on. This was about it initially being kind of cancelled and what have you. Um, I take it you just listened to that episode, yeah? Yeah. And what did you think? Right. We have to be careful here, as we've seen already that there have been ramifications of this, and we genuinely do have to be careful. So we're not going to sit here and make any claims about the legitimacy of any comments that were made. Overall, I agree. I felt that English and Levine made far better points in the discussion because the overall argument was it's okay that this has been decided, but why haven't Hearts had an individual auditor out because they'd already started? Why couldn't they just continue training? Now, the claims that are made by Levine that if you want to hear what he said you can go and find it yourself he made claims about two member clubs and those member clubs very quickly responded negatively and bbc had to produce a apology as a result which is why we're having to be so careful here i it's very risky for him to make those claims without what seems to be evidence he did well to be like i'm not like this isn't my hill to die on here. I'm just saying I've heard this. And he was like, I think, uh, I believe, and stuff like that. However, I think he did that because he knew Hearts fans were listening. He want, he knows what Hearts fans like. I think he's so he's so good on the sports sound. He's been a fantastic replacement of, funnily enough, Michael Stewart, who <laughs> it's quite apropos that he is his replacement. Um, Very fitting, isn't it? yeah. It is, it is genuinely very fitting. And I think Levine has come in overall and done a better job. Just that's my personal opinion. But I, I think the claims he made were a bit in the heat of a moment because he's, a, he's annoyed. But overall, 
I very much supported his point. I know that was the most dancing around the point because it's hard to kind of make the point, but what were your thoughts? Pretty much exactly the same. I, I, I think you're bang on the money. It, I, I actually thought he sounded a lot like me on this podcast. He did. Um, that was my first thought. It's not as though he spoke with any real confidence, was it? <laughs> um, I don't know. He, he just... I don't think he was particularly adamant on blaming Morton or Wraith. It was kind of... I'm not going to say it was like a faux pas or like anything like that. It just... I think they were just t- kind of two names that he sort of plucked out of thin air, really. Um, Which it, we it, will it, say, you can't just do that. We will support no. Levine and everything like that, but... I totally understand the anger for those two clubs. If they haven't done what they were claimed to do and Levine has just walked in going, I'm going to pick out two clubs and just see what happens. I find it quite peculiar that, I mean, this is just an assumption that Levine has drafted these names out of nowhere, but I'm pretty sure, did he not support Wraith as a boy growing up? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm fairly certain. I know he broke through at Cowdenbeath. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty certain he supported Wraith, which seems a bit—I don't know. I thought he was just always a Hearts fan. There's, there's something in that for me. I, I don't—I don't know. Um, I mean, like him or loathe him, he, he, Levine's got an opinion. I—I—I um, mm-hmm. I, I was obviously this is harping back on, but I was frustrated at how things ended under him. But I—I I, I actually love him on with his kind of punditry role. With this is the thing. Like you saw it with a lot of the Twitter reaction to it. It's like I think. A lot of Hearts fans, I'm not going to say all, because that would be foolish, but I think a lot of Hearts fans were, yes, saying that he had to go. But for me, for example, personally, just speaking personally, my love for Levine never diminished. I got annoyed at him, and I got annoyed at the results, and I was like, yes, he should have went, he should have went earlier. But as soon as he walked out of the managerial role, I was like, but it's still Craig Levine. He's still Mr. Hearts. And hearing them on Sports Sound standing up for the club is always fantastic in my opinion because it is like we have a guy now to fight our case in all sides because oftentimes over the past few years there's been cases where on publications or on the radio or on TV there hasn't been that Hearts person to stand with them. It's often just been representatives or individual like they might just draft in someday for one week and then for four weeks continually speak about hearts. But now Levine's there and he can go, no, hold on. And I will say Tom English has been fantastic over this entire process as well. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Totally agree with that. Um, it's, it's, it's funny. I, I don't know. I, I, I too was obviously frustrated at how things ended under Levine. Um, and I was calling for change but that I mean that like you've touched on there that doesn't stop me liking him when he's at his best mm-hmm. um, it's funny when I was writing for Not The Old Firm I got to attend a pre-match press conference and the aura that when Craig Levine came into the room was was staggering like he's just he's a hard bastard like mm-hmm. he looks so much bigger up close than in person or on the telly um, I certainly wouldn't want to mess with him so I'm not, I'm not going to slate him <laughs> but I'm just going to say that I, I love him and his, his newfound punditry work with the BBC and uh, yeah I, th- I think I think we'll leave it at that yeah um, obviously we've touched on the radio but another I guess important uh, source of information when being a football fan is the papers and we both spoke about this kind of in private 
Connor Washington's interview with Barry Anderson, is there anything in particular that you, that you took away from it? Because we both are a big fan of that piece. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there was two big takeaways from me. I'll focus on the bit I agreed with first, because I agreed with the majority of what he said. There was one main thing that we will definitely discuss. But first of all, I wanted to say, I thought he was so honest. That was my main takeaway from it. Um, I think he appreciates the fact that the system we play as Heart and Midlothian, as I said last week in the podcast, it just doesn't suit his style. And a lot of players would kind of blame other things. They would kind of go, oh, well, I wasn't played in the system, so therefore that's why I didn't perform. But he was so honest. He was like, listen, it just didn't work out for me. Um, it would have if the system had changed. He mentioned clubs like Ross County who would play on the counter and how he, he almost wishes he could have played for clubs like that, even though the stature isn't there, but it's the style of play that really suits him. Um, and I fully agree. Like I said, he operates best in that. He doesn't operate best in a possession-led team. Um, and I appreciated the fact that he said that if you're playing in the championship as a striker, you're probably not going to get called up to the national team. Now, as we will speak about later, that has been proven wrong for his own nation. But his point was he wouldn't be the starting striker as Boyce would be ahead of him. So if you're the secondary striker not starting every week in the championship, there's almost no chance you're getting called up. And I fully, fully agreed with that. Um, the main thing I disagreed with was the fact that he said that Levine and McPhee should have stayed in charge. Um, I I just fundamentally disagree with that. Um, I got his point about Stendhal, and um, many people I know shared the same sentiment that Stendhal shouldn't have changed as much, whereas my opinion is if you looked at the results under Stendhal, they were going in the right way, and he didn't have really any of his own players. But when he was like, he thinks that if players had come back from injury, it would have changed we have seen that those players he's talking about, and we know he means himself, Suter, and Hearing, two out of the three of them never got fit enough to stay at the level we needed because we never had Hearing the whole time. Suter was back, but never up to the level he was hoping to be pre-injury. And again, we'll speak about him later on. Um, so I, I don't understand where that mentality has come from. But apart from that, I thought it was a really fair assessment of his time at Hearts. What about you, though? I, it's funny because I, I had actually thought of you with regards to the style. I, I, I thought that you'd mentioned that. Um, so maybe we do, we do know what we're talking about after yeah, exactly. all. Um, I, I, I felt that it was just kind of a perfect encapsulation of a player that's left that has a genuine admiration for the club and who who definitely wishes it kind of future success. Um, it's obviously clear that he wishes things had gone better, like you touched on. Um, I thought the best the best kind of quote that I, I took from it was, um, this is Washington speaking, obviously. I, I said to him, meaning Robbie, I'm looking to move and you're looking to move me on. If that doesn't happen, I'll give you 110% in every single training session and every single game. And of course... That's what we're after. You've touched on it in that it perhaps wasn't first choice. It perhaps wouldn't suit, and he touched on it himself, he wouldn't suit a team that dominates possession, is kind of looking to, I don't know, almost pepper teams, for want of a better word, rather than sit in and kind of nick a goal on the counter. So, listen, if, he's, if he was 
happy to stay regardless. I mean, that's exactly what we were after. So as long as you're giving it your all, nobody can really criticise. Um, and it's it's ultimately some of his teammates that ought to have a look at themselves. I, I, and I, saw, I saw one thing where a bunch, of, a bunch of people were replying to it going, he didn't try. And it's like, he literally got his injury against Motherwell where he was running for a complete lost cause and did yeah. it again. Like, I think one of the few criticisms that you can argue for is that, oh, he came in and he didn't live up to the hype and stuff like that. One of the things you can't criticise him for, in my opinion at least, is that he didn't try. Bang on. I think the thing you're bang on the money, it's, it's funny, isn't it? I mean, folk aren't happy when Hearts players look as though they're lazy. Folk aren't happy when Hearts players get injured. Like, <laughs> he can't win. Yeah. Um, I did find the stuff about Northern Ireland, or putting Northern Ireland first interesting. Um, and obviously, you've touched on it briefly there. So, obviously, today's announcement was regarding the, the Northern Ireland squad for their, their Nations League doubleheader against... And the most heart-wrenching, terrifying moment in the world happened. <laughs> against Romania away and uh, Norway, who they play uh, at Windsor Park. You've kind of touched on it there. What was your initial reaction when you saw that Michael Smith and Liam Boyce were both being called up to be part of Ian Barclough's squad? So, I was sat on Twitter because we're touching it right at the very end. Certain Andy Kirk has just taken up a new role. So, I was tweeting about that. And uh, once I hit tweet, you can go and see my tweet about Andy Kirk. Um, Twitter refreshed automatically. And all I saw was Heart of Midlothian Football Club tweeting and a photo of Michael Smith in play. And the only time that has happened recently is when players have left the club. Then I read the sentence, Michael Smith and Liam Boyce, and I was like, we're, we're going to get relegated. It's, um, I think... You weren't the only one that the club kind of caught out with that. All with the that. replies are amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Some of them are just brilliant. Um, but obviously, both of them being called up is great because I think if if the squad's anything to go by, I'm going to make a little link here. We obviously want two things when Hearts players are away on international duty. Now, the first and foremost is obviously to give a good, good account of themselves. That mm-hmm. goes without saying. Michael Smith's screamer against Germany comes to mind. It certainly does. Um, But obviously the big one for me is that they don't come back injured. Um, So obviously, best luck to the pair of them. Hopefully both can feature, but please stay fit is all we ask. And I think you know where I'm going to go with this because... And we just no talk about it. I'm too too sad. I'm too depressed. (laughs) Come on, give me your thoughts. Get it all off your chest. What did you make? of the news regarding John Suter. Why is this the one Jambo kickback rumour that came true? Kickbacks like were linked with all these players that used to play in the La Liga at Barcelona, and then we get signings like Juan Oshinawa. Kickbacks like, we're going to get taken over by a multi-billionaire. Then nothing happens. Kickback goes, John Suter's done his meniscus again. Within an hour, the club confirmed it. Honestly, I was just like, when I, when I first heard it, I was like, I hope to God it's not. Now, I'm, I don't want to go on a rant here, but I want to make it very clear, my <laughs> thoughts. 
Go on. I because I'm obvious, I'm devastated for him, right? I'm absolutely devastated, especially when you read that interview he did a few, just a few weeks ago where when it happened against Rangers and he went into the physio and he turned to the physio and went, that's it, I'm done. And he comes back, mentally overcomes that, and now it's happened again. The mental strength that man has to show is irrefutable. And you, me, the, the podcast as a whole, and all Hearts fans wish him the best. What is genuinely disgusting is some of the replies and some of the reaction to people on Twitter saying stuff like, that's it, career finish, there's no point. That's it, we need to terminate his contract. For God's sake, it's so frustrating, it's so annoying. Like, of, I can't believe this, this has ruined my day and stuff like that. It's like, first of all, John Souter is probably at his lowest mentally just now. Do you seriously think that's what he needs? To just see random people getting annoyed at him for something that he cannot control. Secondly, we as a fan base are not the only ones affected here. We're the predominant ones, but the most important people here is Suter and his family. It doesn't really matter if Hearts fans are a bit gutted. All that matters is that Suter's okay and his fiance's okay and stuff like that. But the third thing is that we should not even be... I know it won't even be a contemplation, but we should not be thinking about terminating his contract or getting him paid up or anything like that. At the end of the day, he's an employee of a business. If you broke your leg and then your boss turned to you and went, oh, you're getting fired, you'd be fully in your right to sue them because that is not appropriate care of an employee within a business. Just because he's a football player doesn't change that. I want us, and we will, because of course we will, he's still got two years left in his deal and all that part, but even if he had a month left in his deal, I'd want us to look after John Sewer. I'd if, if at the worst case scenario, and I'm not going to speculate about his career and stuff like that, but if the worst case scenario, he has to make a decision, I'd want us to put him through coaching if that's what he wants to do. I'd want us to pay for him to get his coaching badges, offer him a role in the academy or something like that. And it just, I saw so many people like Anthony Brown correctly calling out these people who were saying that, and it, just, it immediately got me so, so angry because I just can't even imagine how it would feel being him reading that. That was incredible. That was a great little rant. I didn't mean it to get that. I know I literally said at the start, I don't want to rant and then I got annoyed, but honestly, it just... It really, really annoyed me. And obviously, the majority of Hearts fans were amazing and human and being nice people. So this is not aimed at, I'd like to think this is not aimed at any of our listeners, at 99% of the fan base. But that tiny wee minority just, it clearly got to a lot of people because the people who were saying that got a lot of replies saying that they are idiots and stuff like that. It's uh, it 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 was just I can't, I can't find the word to actually describe some of the replies. I think it's more it's just it's just so out of order. Like yeah. I I'm gutted for him. I I've got to say I'm absolutely gutted for him. I'm a big fan of John Suiters, and I think the only time I ever find myself critical of him is literally when he's not fit because. Mm-hmm. 
he, he he's he's just he's a total footballer. Um, and I, I I've got to be honest here. I don't think he's a a heart centre back in a million years. I think this is perhaps why I love him because I've got admiration for a ball playing centre half. That has never been our style. Ours <laughs> um, is a lump it long, second ball, see what happens type uh, operation. Um, or at least it kind of seems that way. I think the annoying thing for me, particularly in the championship, is that I actually think he'd be one of our best players in this division because I think he should be able, obviously dependent on how we're going to play, but I think he should be able to kind of start so many attacks off the basis that if we were to build from the back, um, but sadly, obviously, that won't be the case now due to his injury. From the way that Robbie's spoken, it appears as though he'd have been a real kind of key part of the plans if we were to play some pretty stuff. So it's a real shame. You've obviously touched on it mentally. It must be draining. I mean, I'd, I don't envy him there at all. I hope he's got a sufficient and strong uh, support network around him. But obviously, you've said it. From the pair of us, from the majority of Hearts fans, we obviously hope he can fully focus on his recovery and uh, and come back stronger and, and better than ever. Absolutely. And obviously now, with Suter's injury, we've been linked with a plethora of, of centre-backs, um, some of which have come from the fans, myself included, because I got absolutely crucified for that old Ali Mozturk tweet. Um <laughs> I've, I've got to be honest, before we get into other centre-backs and what have you, it was just a wee bit of interaction, a bit tongue-in-cheek. I, I, I wasn't it. I want him back. It's a former jambo, but I, I think we could do a lot worse. Um, I want him back now. Wow. So, obviously, well, there you go. Go ahead. Tell me why we should re-sign Ali Mosley. Because it's him! I don't care if he does nothing. I just want him at the club again. Well, he can do nothing. He can do, listen. I've been very reserved in the past seven episodes of this, right? I'm now just like putting it on the line. John Suter, I love you, and I hope you come back. But I need Alim or Jimmy Dunn to come back, and I'll be happy. Well, I had lots of folks saying that they'd rather Jimmy Dunn than Ali Mozturk. Why not um, both? Because I saw lots of folks saying that Ozturk is a bit soft. He's not that good in the air. Whereas Jimmy Dunn seemed a real, even for a young man, seemed this kind of hard bastard, obviously a big physical presence. Um, but if obviously off the rumour mill, we are apparently in talks with New Zealand international defender Tommy Smith. What did you make of that? And what would be your preference out of Dunn, Ozturk and Smith? Uh, it kind of came out of nowhere. When I first saw it, I was like, because normally what happens is hearts get linked to a bunch of players I've never heard of. And I'm kind of like, all right, cool. One of them. But Tommy Smith is a name that I did know. I couldn't remember how I knew him, but I was like, oh, I recognize that name. And then, of course, it's because the 2010 World Cup, where he was part of the back line, where New Zealand went unbeaten in that tournament, one of the games against Italy as well. Um I'm not going to pretend I remember how he played. I just mean I remember the name being mentioned. Um, so it's very rare we get linked with a player so soon after in a forced injury. It's different if, like, for example, Robbie's like, I need a winger. So he goes through a shortlist and stuff like that. But it's like, Suter got hurt. And then the same day we got linked 
with a player of such stature, 38 caps in New Zealand, played a pl- plentiful amount of clubs. Um, I'd, I'd be really happy with Tommy Smith. Now, obviously, I've never seen him play in terms of consistency. So in the order, I'd put Jimmy Dunn above as the leader of the three, purely because I saw how he was the last time he was here. He was fantastic. So I'd put him, if we had to pick between the two, I'd take Jimmy Dunn. But I'd put Tommy Smith and Ulster at the same level, but for totally different reasons. Like, from a practical standpoint, you take Tommy Smith. From a nostalgic love, you take Aleem. But if I had to order them actually one, two, three, I'd go Jimmy Dunn number one, Tommy Smith number two, Oztout number three. But a close three. Wow. Actually, I think we're bang on with the, with the three. Um, yes. I'm sort of similar with you. I, I'd, I'd, obviously, I'd heard of Tommy Smith, but I don't know a great deal. And I actually tried messaging uh, Sam Nicholson, who, who's obviously played with them at the Rapids, mm-hmm. about whether he's any good, but... Sam's patched my message, so I mean that 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 shows the influence that I've got. Um, it's your plea for a reply, or <laughs> publicly asking for a reply. He will reply to me. We're mates. Um, <laughs> you just keep saying that we're mates. Honestly, we're mates. I'm telling you, we're very good boys. Um, but I mean, yeah, going back to Tommy Smith, he's he's obviously as you touched on it there, a New Zealand international. So I mean, it can't be that bad. Um, it's funny, like, in previous podcasts, my dad was kind of slewing me saying that you and I are obsessed with the length of contracts. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm going to defend us here against Jambo Davy K and say that given some of our shocking recruitment in recent seasons, I think it's fully justified. Right, do you want uh, even further back up? Because my dad started listening to this and he's firmly on our side about it. So there you go, Graham, because I know you're listening. You, he was fully like when uh, Jordan Roberts signed, he was like, yes, good, a two-year deal. It's safety. It's not four-year deals being thrown about. If it's good enough for Graham, it's good enough for me. Exactly. That's the new song. That'll play us out at the end. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I, I don't know. I think he's only 30, Tommy Smith. So yeah, that might be a potential concern. We'll see. The, having, having done some reading about him, I think the other one is a supposed lack of pace. Um, oh, no. So, it's better. would be very interesting. Um, obviously, he was previously training at Ipswich, a former club. I think that's how I'd heard of him, first of all. Um, and then, obviously, after leaving the Rapids, he's attracted the, uh, the interest of Sundond where he's he signed and then didn't play a game and now he's obviously a free agent again due to COVID. So, I mean, they're two big clubs that ought to be in, well, competing for a promotion out of League One. So they're not going to sign any other numpties if they're serious about getting that, out of that league, are they? Ah, oh, Dickhead, Sunderland have been pretty shite for years now. You're making, we started off this Tommy Smith conversation so high and you've just kept talking and now I'm less and less excited about them. <laughs> Well, sorry that that's my influence. I'll, I'll get back to happier times. I think I I agree with you with the three. I think the one that makes most business sense is Jimmy Dunn because I don't see how he breaks into. I think he's still at Burnley, isn't he? He is. He was at Fleetwood last season, and he's now back on loan, and he's in the at least he's in the pre-season camp training because I've seen that. I don't know if he can go off that because he, he was kind of always in that. Even when he left us, he went back. 
was in the preseason, but then went out to Fleetwood. So I don't know how much you can read into that. But I, d- I don't know. I mean, Ozturk's a free agent. Smith is a free agent. But I just think Jimmy Dunn with a potential sell-on. Not that I'd ever want us to get rid of him, of course, but... We couldn't and- buy him. There's no chance we can buy him. The only way but we're getting Jimmy Dunn is if how- we get him back on loan. But how? Because, I mean, if, if Burnley deem him surplus to requirements, surely we can kind of slip in there now? I'm telling you now, he will. they will want at least three million. For Jimmy Dunn? Yep, he's English because they fit their English... No, he's no English! Oh, Dinesh. wait a now! Oh, that might change him because I was like, oh, oh but wait, is he homegrown? Oh, you're going to go on about the homegrown rule. No, yeah. I, I, I don't see why... I mean, why would Burnley want to keep him? That's, but it's because that's, the, the market's ridiculous now. Now, in fairness, COVID's changed that. But I think I read that he's still got a year on his deal. We could get him on a pre-contract in January. Um, but I don't... It's interesting because I think he would be classed as a homegrown player, so they probably don't want to lose that just for that number, and they could, like, chuck him on a bench at some point and never play him, just abuse the rule in that sense. But the way the market is now... Premier League clubs letting players go when they have contract uh, time left in their contract, they always usually want a decent amount of money. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I get that, but I just I just don't see... If, if he does fit into the homegrown rule, then I fully get it. But if he doesn't, then I don't see what he's still doing around there because he obviously seems to want the Hearts return as well. You keep talking, I'm going to see what his market value is on transfermarket.com because that is the most right. reliable site. I, I can't see it being three mil. Because I, I, I'd, I'd seen that he had replied to Uche's tweet and whatever and l- literally every single reply was begging him to come back. Um, and it's funny, I've talked about loan spells in kind of previous podcasts and whatever. He's one of very few exceptions perhaps the only exception really from down south anyway that's proved a hit whilst here on loan and who we'd we'd love to tie to a permanent deal so i don't know this is interesting this is interesting have you got the value up i do so when he first came to us in august 2018 he was valued at a quarter of a million now i think even then he was worth high he was worth more than that I had 300 grand in my head for whatever reason. Well, it says 250k here. Mm-hmm. However, I I disagree with that. Oh, he got put in it. Oh, wait, that oh, wait now. This is big. He's actually been at Burnley since January. Been at Burnley since January. So not so his Fleetwood loan lasted from September to January. Then he just came back to Burnley and didn't do anything for the second half of the season. I'm saying surplus to requirements. I'm telling you, he's 23 in two months. I I, I honestly I cannot see why <gasps> we couldn't have first dibs on a kind of cut price deal. Wait, but, it's, but like, this can't be right. It says his contract expired in June. That's a lie. So, oh no, he signed a pre, he signed an extension. So his contract is valid until the thirtieth of June, twenty twenty one. So, like you touched on, if if we are, that would be some coup, wouldn't it? If Hearts kept it under wraps, get him on a pre in January, got him on a pre in January, and we win promotion, and then they kind of let everything die down for a couple of weeks, 
and then they announced Jimmy Dunn having agreed it in Jan- that would be incredible. Right, but um, here's the issue. If this doesn't happen now, I'm going to be raging. <laughs> <laughs> so, fingers crossed. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't see why, why we couldn't sign Jimmy Dunn on a cut price deal. Definitely. I do. However, I hope I'm wrong. So, obviously, I think the kind of main headline that we can take from the day of recording, we are recording this uh, Monday the 24th of August, is the fact that Heart of Midlothian, including the headband Peter Haring, Come on. Are, are back in training. Daniel, give me your thoughts. We got a Backstreet Boys reference, so I knew it was going to be a good day. That must be about the first the first Backstreet Boys reference of the club's official Twitter account ever. Surely. Oh, it's, it's years in the making. It should have happened ages ago. But I saw many people say it should have been um, Slim Shady, guess who's back. That, <laughs> that was a good shout as well. But oh, they were running. They were moving the ball. And as you say, this is like Alan Partridge type quality here, by the way. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> However, yes, the big talking point is Peter Herring is kicking a football with other players. I will say the first shot of Herring that you see in Nielsen's interview is him holding his groin and I panicked, but it's fine. He must have just been standing like that because it then showed footage of him doing passing move drills. He didn't make a single tackle during it. And I'd be surprised if they were allowing that just now. However, he is in full contact training, so I don't know. But it was exactly what we all needed on a Monday morning. Peter Herring is back playing football properly. This is where we need edited some, like, copyright-free, hallelujah, kind of high-pitched singing. Oh, I'll get It's just been added in as you were saying that there. Oh, marvellous. Um... So yeah, oh, wait, I, I need mean... to make a note of the time. Hold on, because I'll forget. Right, keep you keep talking. I'm making a note. Uh, so I, I mean, I'm just, I'm just pleased that we're able to finally crack on. That that whole training charade. That has got to be the most pointless thing to ever come from the COVID shenanigans, hasn't it? Do really? they even need to test players coming in? I mean, what was the point, really? <laughs> Like, like Levine touched on, just Ian Maxwell in the SFA, I'm going to say this from my own personal standpoint, they had about as much use as a chocolate fire guard. Absolutely useless. What a metaphor. Um, thank what you very much. a metaphor. Um, I'm not all just... I was gonna Shite statistics. Looks, I was going to say good looks, but I'm not that. I'm not, I'm not all <laughs> stats. Um, but it's funny, like, I, I actually saw somebody say on Twitter, I can't remember who it was, that Scottish football has been better without the football. And given the Premiership action, given the Hearts training debacle, I actually think he's bang on the money. I think it was Craig Fowler. It might well have been. I th- I think that is bang on the money. Um, but obviously, no, it, it's, it's great to have the squad back in training. I'm going to sound like a broken record here, but obviously the objective is simple. I just hope we're not carrying any passengers. Everybody's determined to kind of come in, crack on, and let's have a good season because it's the least that these supporters, you and I are included, of course, is the very least that they deserve. 
Well, that's a lovely way to summarise the main points. We do have a couple of wee points just as we go into the intro here. Um, the main one we hinted at previously in the podcast, today it was confirmed that Andy Kirk will be taking charge of the women's team and the girls' academy. Um, what's your thoughts on just Andy Kirk staying at the club? Very pleased. Don't want to see. Don't want to see anybody kind of lose their 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 job or be shifted on. So it's a it's a great chance for them. I think. Uh, yeah, I, I can't see why why it can't be a success. To be honest, I think Good he'll thought. do really well. I think he'll do well. We've seen it with the reserves. Um, he seems to just have like the way he is. He seems to just get really good squad cohesion. I don't know if it's because he scares them, but it works. Like, it works. He's, he's clearly, like, one of those guys who's just, he's come from that Levine team in, like, the late 90s, early 2000s mentality. Of just, you work hard, it benefits you. And that's what we need. Um, and it will be really interesting to see how he does. So we wish him all the best. So thank you very much for listening to episode eight. It's been a bit more of an emotional one. Uh, uh, accidentally we didn't plan for it to be a really emotional one but it was yeah very very happy with that um i mean it's just i think we've we've obviously there's not a great deal going on this week um so oh wait there now though but there is and this is the final point oh here we go oh i think i know what you're gonna say go on go on so let the people know. Right. This is coming out at five o'clock Tuesday, the 25th. At midnight tonight, if you're listening to this on the day of release, Perth to Paisley Speaks With, Andy Driver, will be out on Podbean. It will then be out on Spotify and iTunes at five o'clock Wednesday night, evening, whatever you want to say. Massive thank you to Andy for sitting down. It's just under an hour. It was a complete laugh. He tells some very interesting stories in it, some great anecdotes. He answers a lot of your questions. I I tried to get in as many as I could. Really exciting. So for Podbean listeners, if that's how you listen to us, you will get that midnight on Wednesday morning, Tuesday night, if you know what I mean. If you're listening to this on the day it's coming out, tonight. And then for everything else, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We're getting on Audible as well. Excellent. That's what, a thing. I mean, what, just what a hero. What a man. I, I am, honestly, I am buzzing for this. So stay tuned. You'll obviously catch us on Twitter at Perth to Paisley. Your own Twitter, Daniel? It is at McIver the Mark. And I'm at Adam T. Kendo. Feel free to give us any kind of tweets, suggestions on anything we've discussed today. Um, Remember any the feedback. homework. Any feedback's always appreciated. Make sure you crack on with your homework and we'll catch you for the Andy Driver interview and next week. Take care. <laughs>